We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have the great Siobhan. Siobhan, welcome back. It's been a minute. Hi, G. What's up? Hey, people. Hey, pod audience. It has been a while. It's been ripping and running, man. Life life comes at us fast, man. There's, you know, one day we're not doing that much, and the next day, you know, shit's all over us. So glad to have Bond back here. I couldn't think of anybody. I actually specifically asked Siobhan to come on today because I wanted, and we've been trying to get her on to talk hoops, to get into the nitty-gritty of the game we love so much. Um, Let's do it. It's a privilege, guys. I mean, I've thought about this. I was talking to some friends the other day, Siobhan, and I was like, uh, we were talking about uh, another sport, and I, I just made me realize how lucky we are to cover a team like Miami that just does so much winning and that they're always competitive and in the mix, and... You know, we have a, a litany of memories to choose from. I, I tweeted out a poll the other day of which was Miami's best individual performance. And I put um, I put Wade. I put Wade's uh, game three. I put um, Jimmy's game five. And I put uh, LeBron's game six. And it's just like really it, Miami has so much history and it has so much going for it that I'm just always really thankful. As we have another pod yeah. person. I'm going to get them here in a second. Um, but. I'm just thankful for that. I'm just thankful for the team that we cover and all the great stuff that uh, that we get to kind of experience. Yeah, to remain competitive and, and do it with dignity and, and with some character, right? And to do it in a way that you can feel, um, you know, respected by or like to feel a level of respect for, for the organization, right? You know, never tanked get all that bullshit out of here even through the probably some years where probably some people in the fan base would have preferred to tank they never did that they never um tried to throw games um and and yeah to to remain competitive in like different phases um of of the heat organization um and to see themselves right back kind of like smacking the uh, a middle of this iteration of of heat success um it, it's cool it, it, it's really fun um, I know not looking ahead at all, but I was thinking about just the idea 
of the us Dallas matchup and in, in the trilogy that would be in from like different decades and like just different time periods of of, of kind of heat heat dominance or or at least heat you know relevance. that, you know, that can, that can say that same type of thing. We have Brian Goins joining the program. Brian, hey, I, didn't, I didn't know you were on today. I'm, I'm sorry. I signed up, man. I know you did, but I thought you were out when Ro, we were supposed to have Rohan on today, but Rohan. Oh, don't, don't say that to the audience. Now they're going to like be super sad about it. I'm already well, Rohan's about coming it on. Rohan's coming on, uh, on Wednesday. We talked about it. Ro is on a flight from Phoenix and know, we know. We know that flights get delayed a lot. Why do I, is it just me or flights getting like super delayed lately? Yeah, yeah no, they, they're, they're overbooking yeah. all these flights and they don't have enough people. You should know this. Yeah. You've been on a bunch of flights since the pandemic started. You no, realize that the people don't want to work right now and people right. are calling out. They don't have enough pilots and enough flight yeah. attendants. And Labor stuff. shortage. It's yep. pretty scary. I'm flying to Chicago this weekend and when I come back, I'm flying back Monday and I'm playing and I'm supposed to get in Miami around like 2.30. And I'm kind of worried that if my flight gets delayed, I might miss. I might miss game. What is it? Game five? Aren't you trying to watch it at the at the? Well, what's the, at the No, I was. I was. Oh no, they're not playing. Milwaukee. They're not playing Milwaukee. The idea was, I'm, I'm going to Chicago for other <laughs> stuff, and I was going to try to swing a trip to Milwaukee if they played in the conference finals, but that is not happening. Chat saying, "What's up? We have a series to talk about." Sorry, we have to... way too much to talk about. I've been listening to way too many podcasts today, and I, I we need to get to some of these takes. Well, let's start with Miami. Let's start with how Miami is going to defend Boston because I think that that's going to be the most interesting thing. So we're going to kind of start from there and move out. I think uh, Miami's championship equity starts on defense, and that's where I think that we need to start. What um, people might, I think Eric Spolster said that this might be one of the defensive classics uh, we have ever seen. So Siobhan, let's let's start let's start there with Miami. Miami, of course, likes to switch a ton. I think. Yeah. Boston's half-court offense, I think, is 10th. Miami's is 11th. They're pretty similar in kind of their weaknesses. They, you know, for as good as Jason Tatum is, he's not a get-to-the-cup kind of guy. He's more yeah. mellow than he is D-Wade in that sense. Um, you know, Jimmy doesn't really have the – I mean, well, Jimmy's been on a tear lately. But, I mean, for the most of the season, Jimmy, you know, other than right. Jimmy, Miami didn't really have, like, a rim pressure. And I think Boston kind of suffers from the same thing. So – Let's let's start there. Miami's strength is preventing guys from getting to the rim. It's from switching. Boston a little short on shooting. Derek White in the lineup again. Marcus Smart not the most we've seen Marcus shoot them out of games. Where do you think Miami's win conditions are on defense, Bond? Because I think this could go a lot of ways. I know that's a broad question, but I kind of want to give you the floor to kind of steer where you want to talk about them defensively. So everything that you just said, starting um, to to kind of begin with, is why I. I think prefer this matchup because I think, like you said, they are uh, similar in ways and, and, and deficient in ways that, um, you know, if the opposing team can poke at and just annoy the fuck out of those deficiencies enough, you know, I, I think they'll, they'll, they'll start to show themselves. And so, yeah, right. Miami um, uh, predicating themselves on not letting action get toward, uh, you know, get toward the paint, get, get toward the basket and, and, um, Boston, like you said, Tatum's not a guy that's going to get you to the cup, but he'll give you, you know, a couple really clean and, and polished looks and, and maybe give you something from the mid range. Um, Jalen's three appears to, you know, have gotten, you know, consistent in those things. Horford um, is a pick and pop threat. And so um, I think, you know, individually, 
I I think I like our guys one-on-one because I think our collective team principles are always going to be there to to buoy that. I watched some of um, some some Boston stuff against um, Milwaukee in, in, in Game Seven, and they're a good they're a good defensive team. Um, but I think a lot of that is kind of predicated on you know Marcus Smart and some of their one-on-one matchups, which I don't even know that they flat out you know win those outright. Like I'm watching. Um, you know, a couple passes away, Jalen Brown's, you know, it's a lot of neck turning and like guys getting lost. And so um, I, I think that, I think I'd like to see us, you know, guard them straight up, you know, um, one-to-one at least to start and, and, and kind of see what that gives you. I expect it to, to almost feel like, you know, playing against ourselves in, in like a scrimmage right. inter, inter-squad type of, type of, type of thing. Um I'm trying to think of matchups. Who did Boston start, or who do we foresee Boston starting? And well, then, go Rob, ahead. Well, Brian, were you going to say something? No, I was going to. I was going to piggyback on who. The, I mean, there's a lot, so if we can piggyback on what Stravan said, there's a lot of talking points here. But to answer her last question, the, the, basically, when it looks like Robert Williams, uh, based on what Udoka said in his presser, he says that he's available to play, and there's no minute restriction for him. So okay. I'm anticipating that Grant Williams is going to be back on the bench and they'll probably be starting um, Robert Williams instead over Grant. Now, the question is whether or not Marcus Smart plays tomorrow. He's questionable with a like it was a left foot sprain injury, something like that. Yeah. He had an MRI, came back clean, but somebody it's possible said, like he misses game one. Somebody said he was in a walking boot after the game, yeah, but yeah, nobody was. verified that. It was just like a Celtic Twitter thing. Uh, I think it was an actual Celtic reporter that that posted that. Okay. So I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I mean, if he's going for an MRI and he has a left, it's possible that he has a list rank injury, which is, it could be bad if he continues playing on it. But obviously, he's going to try. But it, it's possible yeah. that he could end up having a similar injury that Goron had. Goron. Well, I, I would not, I would not wish that on anybody. I know that Celtic fans. I'm, I'm talking to some of my, uh, I, I'm some of my group chats with, with Celtic fans, and they're like, "Thank God Goron's gone. Goron has left those people scarred. Gogi absolutely <laughs> ripped their heart out. I did not know that they felt that way about Goron. They're like, oh, thank God, just anybody he was but great. Him. Yeah, he was super great. they don't even feel that way about Bam. They're like, no, yeah, Bam was great, but Gogi. Well, that's why we were all so upset when he got injured game one that we didn't really have a chance against the Lakers because that's how good he was that series and Bam especially. Like, but those those guys go down game one in the finals, like. How else are we supposed to react? <laughs> I think one of the important things about that series was Goran's step back. Siobhan, I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. Goran started yeah. doing that little sidestep, step back three, and he mm-hmm. was just bombing it. And yeah. he always had that very, in the bag. It was like a very unaccounted for move for him. It just came out of nowhere. Just, with, yeah, I'm like, where the cool? Let's ride this. All right. Again? Oh, shit. <laughs> but uh, I think. I, I think the matchup thing is a really interesting question, Siobhan, because I haven't really figured out what the preferred lineup would be for Miami if Robert Williams is in the lineup. So I am starting lineup. Brian, I what's am, the matchup? I imagine it's going to be well. Derek White probably starts in, in place of Mark Smart. Yeah, oh, but, I mean, regardless, you have a point guard. I mean, the point guard, point guard, like that doesn't matter to me. It's the bigs. Like, who do you if? Because ideally, you well, want PJ Miami, or Tatum. Well, ideally, for Miami, it does matter because if you can, like. I, I know I get what you're saying about like accounting for the bigs. And so if I have to account for a point guard a little less than I would have, then I can throw more at the big if, or whomever, um, if, if that's who I want. Um, G, what do you think about how they, how they defend us? 
Well, how how they defend us, I think, is pretty. pretty oh no, 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 I'm sorry. What what was the initial how 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 we how we, how we how we defend them? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think it's going to be yeah. a lot of switches, and I think that you know yeah. you want you want PJ on Jason Tatum, and you want Bam on the primary screener. So if Rob starts, you know whoever mm-hmm. whoever's or what they may do is they may put PJ on the screener. So maybe PJ guards Rob and Bam guards Horford or vice versa so they can get that switch onto Tatum and then Jimmy's just on Tatum straight up so they have like a three-way switch that they always like so that that's mm-hmm. kind of what I anticipate I think they want to keep a guy on them and I think for Miami when they defend Boston I think even back when when Stevens was the coach they will put uh they put Jalen in the corner and Miami has always helped up. I mean, since the Jimmy era, Miami helps off corners. They kind of come in, yeah. dig, all that stuff. And Jalen is not a guy. He's not like a slitherer, right? Like D-Wade no. and Tyler, right? They, they can kind of zigzag their way, kind of get by guys. And Jimmy, too, has a little bit of that. Jalen's like a line drive kind of guy. Like Jalen can go from A to B really fast, really athletic. And he just he's, just, he's not doing the little artsy thing. So when Miami closes out, Right, so if they help off of off of Jalen Brown, and and then the ball finds Jalen, you know he's going A to B, and he's destroyed Miami. I think pretty consistently he's been the guy that has been the thorn in their side. Whether it's coming in for offensive rebounds, right, because whoever that help guy yeah. is, he's getting by yeah. him, and he's yeah. he's already in rebound position, or just you know as a guy that's just attacking a closeout. So that to me, I think is let's see what they do. I'm pretty sure they're going to play their base Bond for that. And I think they'll adjust as the series go on. Maybe they send a little less help. Maybe they might be crazy and just put Bam like in a in a better help position so they can get more size on the closeout. Didn't they try doing that in the in that bubble run? I believe they put Bam on Jalen at first. I, I feel like that that happened at some point. That's but if, we, if you do if you put Bam on Jalen and if they're sending Jalen in the corner, then that. It doesn't negate Bam being able to help the role, but it it moves him from where you want him helping with the exactly. role. At. Um, I and so I was because because Jalen isn't a slither, and again I don't know who Miami um, starts. I'm sure you know Gabe. Kyle would Gabe normally had, Kyle would normally right. start on Gabe. Yeah, so I'm I'm accounting for not Kyle. I so think like, I think Gabe's gonna be on Derek, and they may put Max. On Jalen, just because of the size, I think I that Gabe that. gives up too much size. I think, and so I, and that's what that is the matchup that that it stuck in my head. Just um, is what I would do. I put Max on Jalen because he isn't like he's primarily because he isn't a slitherer. He isn't someone that's going to um, you know break you down with a bunch of you know dribble, dribble, dribbles. He is going to give you that straight line kind of rip through um, A to B. Yeah. Um, probably give you some shoulder, give you some body, but Max has enough of a body and has grown, I think, enough defensively to um, understand that you're you're stunning at that roller. I don't need you like fully committing. And then when you do commit, you're close out. I need you to be close out under control. Um, and and you know whatever our close out principles are, are, we forcing baseline, are we forcing back to middle so we can usher back into help? Like I, I think I trust Max um, to handle that kind of part of that assignment between helping off from the corner and, and getting back um, and in good position to close out for the, for the three. Brian, I think Oladipo. 
probably spend some time on Jalen. Oh, absolutely. So, he did a great job on James Harden, so I imagine he, he could hold on his own matchup against Jalen. Obviously, Jalen's going to have a good series. Jalen's more athletic Jalen's going to have a more efficient series than probably Harden had this past one. But in in a way, I think Miami can hold them just about the same in terms of like output, of, like just like the output. Like I don't think I'm expecting Jalen to go off like 25 in a series like consistently. But he's gonna have a couple big games, so that's what you have to basically limit. How many how many of those 25 30 point games can you limit from him, and how many of those like sub 20s but on like low efficiency can you can you get out of Jalen? And the same with Jason Tatum too, like Tatum. Yeah. And what's what's great about this series in particular compared to the Milwaukee series is honestly Miami has done a great job on Tatum for pretty much the entire time I've seen them match up against Even each in the other. playoffs. There's been like two games where he's been yeah, especially in the playoffs. But there's been really two games that I can go back and look at that Jalen that Jason just like went off because he just went crazy from three. And that's basically yeah. like his recipe for success in this series is Jason's yeah. gonna have to shoot the lights out from three in order to get the most efficiency out of you know this defense that he's gonna and have to that's, face, and that's how he attacked. That's how they attacked Milwaukee and watching that game. And I was like, okay, how how much of the shooting does does Jason have in him? And, and shooting's not really something that I will question a dude that can shoot to do if you have space, yeah. especially if you're coming off of the type of looks that you come off of. But yeah, that that is a lot of of what they went to. Um, they shot a little so bit above their weight. In that series, there was a lot of interesting stats about their efficiency yeah. from three. They, they were shooting 30, 30, like about three or four percent better than they were in the regular season. Miami was obviously shooting way worse than that, or like down eight percent from the regular season. Looks, people and, um, and for what I saw, I think they outshot. Let me add the pull. It was stat. like by 54. I'll, yeah, like 54 points. It was like the most ever in a playoff series, is what I read. Mm-hmm. Well, hold Which on, wait a insane. second. Slumpin' Slumpin' says, Y'all got that scared energy today. We, we're talking about how they're going to defend them. I, I don't. Siobhan's no, certainly not scared. I don't think Brian's scared. I think if anybody's a little worried, it's me. But Bond is the most confident I've ever seen her talking about a series. Bond's out here like, gee, why are you scared? And I was like, yeah. yeah no. Take Lead us. The Milwaukee series gives me, just me personally, gives would have given me something else to feel different about, even without Chris. But Miami, I really feel like it'll be like, it should be like the red versus white in the squad. They they do so many they they mirror each other in, in a few yeah. ways. So so this that Celtics I just really want to read it real quick and then we can get into your next yeah. topic. But it was the Celtics made fifty three more three pointers than the Bucks in the last series per ESPN stats info. That's the largest differential in three point field goal made in a single series in NBA postseason history. I think take that for data. I take that. I think Miami has easier times with Tatum types because. I think quickness is their kryptonite. And Easier then, time defending? Or... Yeah, because yes. because quick guys, those, how, how, how would I describe, like a mid-range yeah. maestro or what you know, those guys who are mad, like those footwork monsters, those guys yep. who operate in the middle He's area. Very technical, very skilled in the mid-range. PJ is built for those matchups because A, he's strong as all hell. He's physical. Yeah. He pushes you off your spots, and he gets into you. And and again, guys like Durant are going to do that to everybody, right? Because guys like KD are just special. Tatum's yeah. not KD levels, but he's getting there. But just the physicality, he's a young guy too. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. kind of test him. Test how much you can yeah. get away with physically. Yeah. I think on, on guys like that who depend on the jump shooting, you know, yeah. PJ and Bam's physicality on those, which is Jimmy. 
physicality, although you want Jimmy. And, and what Miami does really well is they'll have a guy at the nail. And if, for those who don't know, the nail is a free throw line. So, you know, the way that they have their defense position, there's usually a guy waiting around the nail. And when a guy gets into their mid-range kind of bag, look at Joel Embiid. He kind of post up, kind of Miami did not let him get deep post ups after they went away from the from the fronting with small guys. They had him get post position in like the elbow area. And when he's in the elbow area, your help comes really quick. And Miami's really good at positioning their help in places like that. So a guy like Tatum, I imagine once he makes his move, right? So he's going to have his back. He's going to do his jab step. He's going to kind of set up shop. And then Jimmy, PJ, you know, Max, whoever's at that nail is going to start shading in and coming. And when he makes that move, it's, it's, it's four hands. You know what I mean? On the gather. Yep, on the on the gather into the shot, which is why I'm not because I feel like, yeah, that is where they're going to have to attack Miami defensively. But I think Miami has and is built for um covering up those gaps in in, in people's spaces. I talked to a Celtics guy and he was telling me he's like because I, I kind of said I There's think There's only one Celtics guy I can think of, G. And I you know, you don't know, you don't know my source. And uh and I and I was saying I go, I think that Marcus Smart being out potentially game one might help you because if you can get a little more shooting on the floor, you can keep Derek White and it just becomes a little harder to defend if he's your only minus shooter on the floor and you can get a little more offense and now you're getting Miami and more rotations and you just have enough good, smart guys who cut, who play basketball that you can get a little bit more offense going and I think your defense is good enough because Miami's half-court offense isn't you know we're not world beating you know what i mean they're 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 kind of eking by their half court offenses and they told me i'm not worried about them on defense without smart i'm worried about them on offense because smart does a lot of their pick and roll triggering and it was Mm -hmm. something i did not consider in the way that miami would defend them smart's a very physical guy he can get downhill miami does dare him to hit shots and listen there have been games where marcus smart hits he's six of ten right and you're just like Mm -hmm. okay and other days he's Two of 11, right? So there's that high-level variance. But without Smart, it kind of forces Derek White and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to kind of split those triggering duties. And I think I think Jason would rather play off-ball and kind of have the – kind of like how Jimmy should be. You know what I mean? Like how Jimmy yeah. wants to come off of something to get the ball in motion or get it off yeah. in action. So that's something I would look for as well in this series without Marcus. How does their offense look and who's who's triggering these sets? And I think I think Marcus gives them while he like you said there's a high level of variance and in, in you know his percentages aren't too too crazily consistent. I think he gives them um or at least throughout the the series that just passed and some of the games that I've caught, some of the Boston games I've caught this season, he I think he gives them timely threes. And so while keying right while while triggering their offense, um giving him what he gives them defensively. And, you know, giving you something timely, either from the corner or just above the break. Um, and what that does for for energy and momentum um, and kind of morale and all of that. I think um, maybe that's a, a little understated, not by you, but just just kind of in, in general um, about with regards to consistency with shooting. Um, I don't. Yeah, Miami's half court offense isn't world leaders, but I, I don't know that they are deficient enough to to. Um, to think that you can live with kind of like, you know, a negative defender in spite of what was, you know, your defensive player of the year. And so, you know, I think Derry White might give them a bit more spacing, but I think, you know, he maybe gives them 
or gives up something um, down there that, that Miami might be able to go at. And not in a way that, like, you know, stagnates and stales the whole offense, but just, you know, just another kind of weak spot in the in their net. Brian, what were you going to say? Uh, I, um, there is actually an interesting um, trend that I've, I've been, because I've been watching or listening to a lot of different Boston podcasts, just trying to pick, like, trying to figure out what's what are some, like, the the holes on their team in terms of like whatever yeah. flaws that they might have. And one of the big things that they've been mentioning, apparently Jalen Brown's having a hard time dribbling the ball. His handling mm-hmm. has basically been an issue since um, really since the first round against the Nets. And it became mm-hmm. even a bigger issue in the Buck series game one. He had seven turnovers. I'm looking at the stat line right now. And biggest part, uh, biggest thing that they were able to do in that, in that game. And what really they, they were saying, like why, why when Mark, we never actually went back to it, but they were full court pressing him in a lot of those um, sets. So, uh, they would basically they would basically were saying like oh they, there was lots of times where it almost seemed like they were going to be in an eight second violation just bringing the ball up you know half mm-hmm. court and it was something that they basically just like noted and they never really went back to it that much especially towards game six and seven like they probably could have done that uh because it was it was something that that was happening with jalen brown and his his ball handles i think it's something miami's already we've already seen it happen the first two series yeah. of them using full court presses so i could imagine that Supposing to look at that, he might try to use PJ, Gabe, obviously Caleb in those situations. And even in even in the half court, right? Miami likes to do some of that blitzing and some of that trapping stuff. If your handle's yeah. shaky, then you know, forcing you out past half and, and maybe you know make you give it up, turn you over. And if Marcus is not playing game one, that's one less ball handler to have. I, I think that people, you know. It wasn't until, like the value of having multiple ball handlers is a, really an Eric Spolster special, and I think the more that you can take away from them having ball handlers, just the better Miami's defense functions as a whole. Agree if, if they're going to press, which I think they'll do some, they'll they'll probably take turns with with kind of Gabe and Caleb, like you said. I, I agree. Last thing I want to get into before we transition into Miami's offense, Grant Williams has become a really good three point shooter. And I think at this point, I think I know that he had the huge game, but even leading up to that, he's just been a really consistent shooter since about January. I think we are to assume that that's real. And, you know, he's stationed in the corner a lot, right? Whenever he plays, whether he starts or not. I mean, I think it's up for debate, you know, if he starts with with Rob or if Al Horford, I think that that's there's a lot that can go. You know, uh, I think if they want to be a little more switchy. They'll go with um, they'll go with Grant. If not, they'll go with Al. I mean, they both pro- they provide very good different things. Al's been really good for them, and you know, yeah. I, maybe they might want to match Al with Deadman because Deadman really killed them on the boards, and really in pick and roll. We, we'll talk about that more in the offense. But Grant Williams is a good shooter. Miami's going to help off a lot of him. He has a little bit of size. He's not a small guy, and I think that's another area where Miami's kind of struggled a little bit, where you kind of close down bigger guys because if that closeout guy is Gabe or that closeout guy is Lowry, who we don't know if he's his status or, or, or one of those smaller guys, Hero. Um, you know, that becomes a little untenable. So that's just something for you to, I think, we to look for. You know, how, you know, and by the way, I mean, they did a fantastic job on Danny Green. I thought, you know, other than the, the two games that Danny went off in Philly, and Danny's a great shooter, and great shooters are going to shoot great. Um, he's not, he's yeah. no Danny Green, but he's been really good. So it's just something to keep, keep an eye on, and maybe for Heat fans not to overreact. Because yeah. also, if Grant if Grant Williams is really doing a lot of the shooting in an offense, I just think that that's probably a win for Miami. I think as long yeah. as you get the ball away from Tatum and Brown beating you on the glass at the rim, you know, at the free throw line, 
and if you're really increasing their diet of Grant William threes, I think eventually your math is probably going to work out as the scheme adjusts and as guys get quicker and, and all that. So, you know, something to look out for. I don't know if you guys want anything to add before we kind of transition to offense. Yeah, if you want to talk about Grant Williams' shooting, I've, I'm just looking at his game logs. It really seems like he's only had one good game shooting on the road. It's his Most of his uh, impact is coming at home. So that's something that I think Miami might possibly leave him more open in, you know, at home compared to maybe on the road. It seems like that's the case for a lot of their shooters, and it's the same thing for Miami shooters. It's like... They play way better at home, and, and a lot of these role players step up when you know they're not on the road. So There's one shooter that I mean, plays better on the road. Max Struess? No, Duncan, but yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Max has been pretty good lately. Max uh, I will give him credits for that. Shout out to Max. But yeah, like his, his one game that he went off was against the Nets. It was game three. He went four for six. And everything else, he's been pretty much average to below average. So... I think Miami lives with Grant Williams. If he's and there's a lot of these games, he's only taking two or three shots from three or less. Actually, he's taking one shot. He took so game six. He took one three pointer attempt before he took eighteen this last game. That was crazy. Shaman, did you see that? Did you see that the number was eighteen? And I thought it was a mistake. I thought that was like team free throw or like collective. Right. No. But then I heard his his post game or a clip of him after he's like, yeah, he just told me yeah, to yeah. keep shooting. I'm like, well, all right. That's, that's such a coach thing to say. It keeps you, it keeps you. But there's no way he's going to keep that kind of volume up. So, And if you do, if I you're mean, Miami. If he, if he keeps up for four wins, then yeah, give him, give him the fucking. Let's Instagram not forget. And he gets a Larry Bird trophy with it. It that's took, what happens. Brian, let's not forget. It took both six games to budge on Gary Neal and Danny Green. It took them six games because remember, they were helping off of like <sighs> back in the day. They were helping off of Danny and they were doubling Duncan every time he touched the ball. Uh, Tim Duncan. Uh, for 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 you young, but for you those, young folks. those first teams had way more talent than than this Boston team. Let's, no, but it, it's it's more of like you know you know we've seen Spo adjust. So if they're getting lit up by a guy for six games or five games, or whatever, like just yeah. know that you know we've seen this coach even in a younger spot say, okay, fuck the game plan. We're 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 fixing this because we cannot win. So you know well, I, that that is actually what happened in the in this uh, Philly series. So I mean I, I'm sure yeah. Siobhan, you heard the quote from PJ. PJ was like basically they asked him like, oh, what'd you guys do? What'd you talk about between you, Jimmy, and um, Bam? I was like, right. what, what was the defensive adjustment? Obviously you couldn't spill the beans, but basically it was you gotta stop making sure that James Harden goes off on you in the fourth quarter because he had a lot of crazy shots. You obviously gotta make sure that Joel Embiid doesn't get you know, two feet from the paint, so he gets an easy lay-in or, or starts getting a bunch of fouls, and you don't really have a shot of defending him because he's just dry, dragging everything inside the paint, getting foul calls or in flopping. And then the last piece was the Danny Green piece, which you were mentioning, and I think it's the same thing with Grant Williams. If he's going to get these wide-open corner shots and he's making them, then you have to adjust. So yeah. Miami knows this. Yeah. Siobhan, did you have anything before we transition to offense? So let's talk about Miami's offense because this – so I, I watched a lot of film – on Heat Celtics today, uh, and I tried to just keep it to where Jimmy played. So a, a couple things of the non-Jimmy game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Rob Williams, well, the way that they utilize Rob on defense is have him in a corner, uh, kind of switching off ball, um, and they, they keep him on the weak side to come help off drives. And it's been really fruitful for them. They keep Al or they keep whoever, their, their wings, you know, up top and kind of, you know, d- defend that way. And then their Rob is coming in to help from the corner. He'll switch anything because he can switch, and they'll be like, I dare you to get by me. Caleb Martin, that game, was like, all right, bet. And Caleb mm-hmm. went at that dude and went and got by him mm-hmm. every single time. And they lost that game in a blowout, and it was whatever. Everybody's like, that's a throwaway game. Not that Caleb can do that, because I don't think Caleb's athletically that guy right now. But going at him, if their offense – I just wanted to start there because I think the Rob Williams piece is interesting. He was attacked that game, and when guys who are like – usually or used to being feared get attacked everything starts yeah. being shaky look at utah yeah. right this is just, look, i mean look at look at phoenix they were hunting chris paul you know what i mean like that's not a matchup that chris paul's like like it just throws you off kilter so yeah. that's one that's one thing that i would look at and i it was a weird place to start cuz there's a lot but bond did, is there anything about that that gives you confidence because Miami's going to have trouble scoring in this series, just as Boston is, it's going to be a rock fight. Uh, and it's all about <laughs> finding soft spots defensively where you can find enough to score. And so those soft spots, I, I, I like to, when I think about basketball, I think of the players as like having this, this fear around them. Like they have a, a, a diameter around them. And so where the defense is positioned, where their diameters meet, that kind of, you know, diamond shape in between those soft spots. Those are the areas that you got to kind of get into um, with someone like a Giannis, right? He's so long that his diameter is kind of a bit bigger. So maybe those, those soft spots are a bit fur- further out. And so I think that um, while we saw, you know, we've been seeing Miami do a lot of empty side stuff, a lot of empty corner stuff um, in a way to, to kind of isolate guys. And I don't know that, 
So maybe, so maybe they 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 utilize their offense in a way to kind of bend what Boston wants to do defensively, or maybe they kind of let Boston do what it is that they think that they want to do. Maybe you don't go so much um, empty side. Maybe you have a shooter in one corner and a Caleb or a Vic or someone else that you that can attack um, off of the secondary drive off the off the you know the the bend of the defense in the other corner. And maybe you you, you bait. Um, Rob, into those closeouts, having confidence that your guys can get by. I think there is something to um, kind of the the pricking of the mystique around some of these guys. And and like someone said that like Pat Bev don't defend. He just be out here like yelling and, and making quick movements and making you think. You like mean Russell Westbrook? Yeah, hey, Russell. there's a bunch of people that you can. Um, no, but uh, Russ, I think Russ said that. I think that the quote you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Russ is like. Out. He just be running around saying stuff. He just be running around, just be fooling y'all. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, damn, I don't even know how how I got into that. But no, I I think I think that yeah, maybe you do you 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 kind of bathe them in, or at least in game one, fill them out. Um, if that's what they want to do, you have confidence, and and maybe it's not a getting all the way to the to the rim. Um doing so in a time that allows the rest of the defense to collapse. Maybe it is kind of sweeping through and getting past and right into that soft spot. Maybe we see some one dribble pull-ups. We should see, I think, a, a few more pull-ups, at least from the Miami side um, in, in this. I think Jimmy should operate really well um, in kind of the extended uh, uh, post area. Um, so I think, I think it's going to be a rock fight. I believe it's going to be a rock fight, but I think um, our dudes are more – you know, more suited for consecutive games of rock fights. Um, Tatum's gotten, you know, stronger. He's gotten tougher, right, all of that. But there's still some cuteness to him. Like, I don't know if he can take being pelted with rocks for, you know, seven straight games the way that I think Miami will. So I trust, like, the literal old dogs kind of, you know, in our stable against um, the, yeah. the guys and pups. If you think back to what happened in the bubble, my – there was games where he, where Tam basically didn't even have like ten points up until what the end of the second That's quarter, the, yeah. barely entering halftime. He was barely in double digits. Yeah, I could see some of the same stuff happening where Miami really does limit him, and you're basically forcing the rest of these guys to show that they can score consistently. Yeah, I really wouldn't be surprised if it was like a complete kind of shutting down and what it is that Boston likes to do or think that they can do. The other, the other spot that I think is interesting in the way that Boston defends is that Boston stays home on shooters, and yeah. it's just very different from Miami. And and if you just you know when I watched, you know Jimmy Deadman pick and rolls, I was like, man, they're just like not even cheating off of PJ because I'm I'm just used to it, right? I'm just used to PJ's man with a foot in the paint, and they're closer to PJ than they are, you know, to the basket. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's interesting. They're just staying home on shooters, and they're just you know, I think that benefits Jimmy a ton. I thought that's yep. why the Deadman minutes, you know, were so they were so productive in the last game of the season. Um, I have should benefit Bam. Bam should be able to operate. Bam should be able to like face up and get some stuff out of that. They slipped him a lot. They slipped him more than they normally do against the Celtics because it just was more of a lane. Because when he slips, yeah. that help is oh, yeah, so the, the, <clears throat> right. it's the best yeah. way to be. You literally have yeah. a stretched floor, which they yeah. they normally play in a little bit more cramped quarters because a lot of their shooting comes off motions and actions, not just like Houston Rockets, you know, stand, you know, get guys in the corner yeah. and, and move for them out. So Bam was like kind of screening, faking, slipping, uh, you know, with Lowry, with Jimmy, with, with, uh, with Tyler, all these guys. And that, that was interesting to me. Deadman as well. Um, 
you know when you know who that should shake some stuff loose for too tyler like if, if if guys are staying home the shooters and if you have tyler like initiating some of the pnr stuff and, and being able to get into those spaces and some of those pull-ups he and he and bam's uh two-man chemistry um and that kind of like shorter uh horseshoe you know beneath the the arc yeah i think we should be okay this is gonna sound funny but you know boston defended tyler with with Peyton pritchard a lot I was, you know, watching the film, I was very impressed with, with Pritchard. I thought he got over mm -hmm. screens very well. He fought really mm -hmm. hard to get over. He kind of digs into Tyler. He's very physical. I think that shit goes out the window when it's Jimmy, when it's a guy who could just put his put him on his ass because he's too small yeah. and he's not strong enough. Yeah. But a guy like Tyler, and even when he, when they put him on a guy like Max, uh, I thought Max is able to get clean jump shots because Max is just bigger. But he yeah. gets over screens, and when they that game in particular, they had to run a drop because Rob was not in, and they were playing they were playing Al and they were playing Tice, and Miami. I thought that was the most Siobhan, That was the most concerted effort I had seen them up to that point. Saying, "Okay, we are gonna find the drop man, and we are gonna fucking bludgeon them to death." And they yeah. forced Boston to just say, "Okay, one big, fine." And and that was yeah. that was at a time where they were just when when Rob had just gotten hurt and they were used to playing a certain style, Miami kind of forced them into a little bit of uncomfortableness. They they're gonna have some seams there. And Brian, I don't know if you want to add on to any of this. They're they have they have seams to score. Um, you know, I, I and and Tyler might have a tough time with I don't see this as a Tyler series, although you know, if he can get going, that'd be huge. I see this as a Jimmy and Bam series. I have questions. We could talk about Kyle and what they'll miss, but they certainly have avenues where they can score, even though the Celtic win defenders are just incredible. Brian? I think I think as much as I want Jimmy to have a great scoring series, and I think he will, I think Miami still does need to force some sets, probably more than they were doing these first two series. And I know that the Philly series was weird defensive coverage where they were doubling him a lot, and they did a, they did a similar thing in the Hawks series too. But as much as I want Bam to be that guy, that second guy, I think they need to at least see what they can get from Tyler early on in the series before they, they kind of like nuke his minutes. So give him like his, his regular, like regular season minutes, see Ooh, what, Tyler? They, what he can give you on offense. Yeah. For Tyler. Yes. I, Cause I think he, if he can get him going early on in the series, that could, that could bode well for the rest of the series in terms of his confidence. And I think that to me is going to be huge because he hasn't had a great full on. He's had a, he's had like one or two games that have been pretty like, you know, up to the standards in terms of his performance and his efficiency. I, what's really shocking is that his mid range efficiency is like top four right now for the entire playoffs in terms of everybody that's, that's, that's played. He's like 52% right now. Um, number one was Chris Paul, like 70%, which is fucking insane. But um, like, I think that those are things like, and I know, um, Boston actually like one of their soft spots in terms of their defensive coverages is the mid range. They give up a lot of mid range shots, and it yeah. has to do with their their the way that they switch. And and, it's, and obviously they don't switch every single possession because when how all Horford's in the game, they do play some drop. So it's not going to be just switch 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 every single time Miami's on the floor. They're going to see some drop, and that's when Tyler actually needs to make sure he hits his open shots because he's going to have them at certain points in these games. But that, right, that's, that's where the Pritchard thing comes into play, though. Like, he was just really good. And, yeah. and they're just really – I mean, Marcus Smart is a guy who's also really good at kind of screen navigating and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, kind, kind of like in uh, West Matthews, you know, really kind of physical and kind of getting over. 
uh, and they're gonna. But I think Tyler has the cap has the capability to win that one on one matchup. I think if you if you start introducing a lot of screens for Tyler with the switch, then it starts to be a little more difficult because obviously you have to reset. You're wasting a lot of shot clock, and then you probably are swinging that pass over. So, I think the key for Tyler in the series, you need to see what he can do on a one on one without that's with that simple like screen. Unless it's like a really like obviously it's Bam. And he's able to like really beat that man. Like basically, if they're doing like a, maybe a dribble handoff action for him, and then he's able to come off of that, and he's basically going, you know, going down the paint pretty easily, or or they do a simple slip with Bam, and they're able to get him going too that way. That could be a way that they could open up the offense. But I think for sure, outside of Jimmy, I think Jimmy's gonna have a great series. I think he could still average around thirty, like he's been in the entire playoffs against this Boston team. I just really think Tyler has to have at least three games in this series that he's like above 20, 20 points. You know, for, See, I think, go ahead, Siobhan. I, th I think, so I think you, so one of the, 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 the good parts about having someone that fights over, over top of the screen, you know, that's an indicator that you are comfortable, you know, playing in the drop. And so um, we've seen Tyler, or at least I have be better able at navigating the screen. You know, maybe he doesn't fly off the screen all the way, all that tight. Maybe he kind of stops himself, dribbles back a little bit into the path. Maybe he welcomes a little bit of, of the bump. Maybe he gets Peyton in some foul trouble, um, you know, uh, kind of, his his the way that he likes to go for his layups is kind of a little extended package. He and Bam should have really good lob chemistry. If someone is chasing me off the screen and I don't feel comfortable um, stopping and popping like at the third hash, you know, at the free throw line, um, as I'm maintaining my dribble closer to to the basket, I need to at some point get comfortable with a runner that I should be about to take or this, you know, kind of two foot lob to my left. Um, mm -hmm. But Brian, what you were saying about them being a little soft in the mid range is why I do think it could be kind of a, a Tyler opening, a, a cracking open of, of him um, with regards to what we've seen from him. And then for real, like drag, bring that screen high. If, if they're staying home on shooters, um, maybe you don't do all of your typical action, at least to start. See how they're going to defend um, kind of some stationary bodies with a, a, a high ball screen. Are you still going to... Um, fight over there, are you still playing me in that drop? Because now, if I'm bringing it out higher, you're fighting over higher up, which means your drop man still has to be higher, so that pocket for the pull-up is a bit more open and a bit more comfortable, and you have some some dump-off. Um, and then eventually, people are going to have to help or they're not. So um, I think that they should – I think – I really think that they should um, – I, I want to say almost like slice them up, and not in a, not in a disrespectful way, but I see them being – potentially really efficient with their offense this season. This I don't, I don't envision them seeing a ton of drop this series. Uh, I know right. Al will play it and they'll look for that right. in the, in the Horford minutes. I imagine the, the adjustment is going to just going to be play out higher up. And then we know mm -hmm. the counter to that is bam slipping because of the way that the Celtics get stretched out. And if that is the case, then all of a sudden Boston's just playing a scheme that they're not super used to. And Miami likes when guys help off their shooters because they play they play Marcus in some like drop and get backs too. I was watching it, the Celtic like he stunts and then drops back to to the to the roller. I don't know if there's something in there that they can exploit. That'll be interesting. Again, like and and that's you know kind of seeing what Marcus's availability. Maybe if his right. foot's not a hundred, they can't do stuff like that, and they may just play stuff more straight up. Um, I think Jimmy a pick and roll 
is just easy money yeah. uh, in the series. Yeah. It's going to be their best offense yeah. without Lowry. Um, I think Jimmy finding Derek White on switches is just going to be, especially empty corner sets for Jimmy is going to be awesome. I mean, that's just really their bread and butter anyway. And if Boston's not going to, and if Boston is stretched out so much, Brian, they, they it's not even, they don't even need to do that because the point of that is just to mm-hmm. kind of get help off of you. But if boss yeah. is just going to ha- be stretched out anyway, then they don't need yeah. to run those sets. Yeah. What they need to do is probably run some more hammers, get some get some shooters open, and, and kind of move their guys around. Because what Boston's trying to do is Boston's like, okay, let's let's try not for you to kind of get dribble penetration and then kickouts, you know, because that's when threes, you know, and they'll switch handoffs and stuff like that. Miami, by the way, in the postseason, uh, have the most handoffs, they have the highest frequency, the most possessions. Uh, so frequency percentage, so that uh, that includes all the teams that have played and by far the most possessions. And, and in terms of points per possession, they're at point eighty six, which is the 50th percentile of playoff teams. So smack in the middle. Not super great. Part of that has just been their bad shooting performances, although I think that they kind of moved off of that in the Philly series. So kind of curious what they do in the Celtics series. Let's talk about, to close out the show, what they're going to miss with Lowry. I think that you know, one of their best offenses against a great defense is to get out and to push. And yep. Kyle, the kick, the hit aheads with him and Bam specifically, like, you know, to quote Eric Reed, the giddy up offense, uh, when Kyle or Bam get a rebound and it's off to the races, it's kind of get down the floor. It's playing those in between zones really, really well. That's the stuff that they can take advantage of because I think, especially late in the game, nothing's going to come for free. And if they can force enough misses and they can push, I trust their guys to push more than Boston's guys. Um, you know, especially, and that, that might be the way to get their shooters going as well. Because if they're gonna if they're gonna stay home on shooters, kind of get their guys out of rhythm. The way to get them into rhythm is transition opportunities, threes, all that stuff. So that's one area where I think Kyle's gonna be missed, Siobhan. The other, the pick and roll trigger is gonna be a lot of Jimmy, but. I worry about Bam because I think Kyle's just a better playmaker for Bam in those sets. And the slip and go just works better because they respect Kyle's jump shooting more than Jimmy's. And that cramps that space a little bit. Uh, I think late in game, having an extra ball handler against a frenzied switch defense is just always valuable because, you know, Miami, I think needs a couple cracks at, at, at a possession to find what they want to do. And Kyle gets him into sets early. We've talked about it all year. And they kind of, I don't think my, and by the way, uh, our friend Krishna over at Basketball Index was saying that Miami has the best offense against switches, which I thought was absolutely absurd when he said that to me. And I asked him to pull the data. Um, and he's like, yeah, the Heat were top five. Why didn't we leave the show with this? In points per chance against switching defenses. It's crazy. Um, I didn't ask him if I, I I asked him if it was for playoffs or regular season. So I'm waiting to get back on me on that. But I mean that's that's pretty insane for them. But without Kyle, in four, I, I am uh, Siobhan. I imagine that's a little tense. I I worry about their offense without Kyle. I worry about having that extra shooter, especially a guy who can create off the dribble. And I think again, late clock scenarios, you just need guys who can kind of do their own stuff. And I think they're going to be in a lot of late clock situations, decision makers, shooters, all that stuff. So I, I worry about them. How, how worried should I be? How worried are you? What do you think that looks like? Cause I know we're, we're trying to close out in the next couple of minutes. So this might be a case of like, 
not your guy versus my guy. I understand where a lot of your worry come from, but I, I, I am really, really not even trying to be Homerish um, or like Gabe fanatic at all. I, I genuinely not. So the things with like the kick ahead, right? There was a, a game, a couple, or I honestly, I'm not sure how long ago it wasn't too far. I remember it um, where um, Gabe missed an opportunity for a kick ahead. It was a game where Kyle wasn't playing and Kyle yelled at him and like told him, like, Hey, that's the thing. But so, Kyle does it well, but it's not something that only Kyle can do. And so if they're just cognizant and aware and eyes up on the rebounds, looking up, it's not a dimension of their offense that has to um, have disappeared entirely because Kyle isn't there to, to, to make the actual pass. It's still there. Get the rebound, look up, guys get in good position, make good passes, um, actually be intentional with wanting to make the pass. And I think kind of I understand like the pick and roll navigation um, Gabe has some better decision making to to make for me, um, and I think he will, and he has shown it. Um, but I, I think that they, I think that they have enough ball handling. I think between, I don't think Jimmy has to trigger their pick and rolls for them. I, I, I really don't, or at least not a steady diet. Or I wouldn't start it that way. Um, I would start. I would give your your primary ball handlers the chance to kind of primary ball handle until. Um, you see that they're they're keying in on it or it's not working or or what have you. I think they will be okay in the specific areas that you mentioned um, my without thing with, Kyle. My, thing, my thing with Gabe is he doesn't rebound as well as Kyle, and I think that's a huge yeah. part of it as well. Like it's the, but he's always there on the outlet. No, for sure, but the, it's it's the rebound and go quick. immediately it because is. that it half is. second matters yeah. in the NBA. It does. And it does. Gabe. And again, I love Gabe. Like I'm, I'm a yeah. fan. I love him, and I've really come around on him. You know, and you were right the whole time. You know, yeah. his vision on the play is just not. Kyle's a vet. Kyle's yeah. a 20 year vet. You know, he's just he's not. He's yeah. gonna get there because I think Gabe yeah. is a really brilliant guy. Kyle just sees the window, and Tyler had that problem last year. Where he, and, and this is really Gabe's first year of real NBA experience. Right, like he's a real, like full time. I'm um, yep. depended on every night yep. kind of guy. So I, to me, this is almost like his first real season. And last year, you know, and, and it took Tyler a bit too. Kyle Tyler was a little better at it, and still not great at it. You just you great. gotta see the window a second before, not when it happens. And I think yeah, Gabe no, you is, have to anticipate the window. You have to manipulate and get to the window, which is where Gabe is not. And I think especially with an offense where. Bam has to screen and slip. That is anticipation, and that is seeing the chessboard move, and you need to know a second before because you got to get in. So that's the stuff. Because I think Gabe, as a defender, is as reliable. I think Kyle is better at some stuff, and I think Gabe's better at some stuff. Part of that's the youth, and part of that's experience. It's youth versus experience, and I think Miami has a great mix of that. But in terms of like running, that's kind of the stuff I mean. And I think that. You know, if they were playing Milwaukee, I would feel a lot better because I think Gabe, because I guess Milwaukee, Gabe would have more space because they just play a lot of drop. Brooks is in the deep drop. And Gabe, I think, is really good at operating in that middle area. I think yeah. he's pro like he's really, really good. And he's confident. He's fearless. I, I just think, think if he can get to it. He's also a little small. And I think yeah. if like Tatum's a switch or if Brown's yeah. a switch, that little size. And he's not as like Kyle's a grifter, right? Like Kyle's going to fucking grift you to death. And I think yeah. even players know, <laughs> players know, and they're not trying to pick up a, a second foul. And they're right. not, they're not, you know, got like Tatum knows they've played playoff. They had playoff battles against Kyle. They're not trying to fuck around and find out I'm going to pick a foul. Gabe's not like that. 
So Kyle gets a little bit more space just off of respect. So it's like little things like that that I think are going to yeah. matter in the long term. I, that's just the stuff I worry about. Let's see how that plays out. Uh, they're going to need Gabe shooting for sure. And I think, you know, kind of Gabe coming off a screen and, and kind of getting into that pull-up is something they're going to need from him, Tyler, all that Mac stuff. Uh, we got to go. It is 8 p.m. Uh, thank you guys for coming. Remember, we have Weird Off pregame show tomorrow, 30 minutes before yep. the game. Uh, hangover time, postgame show after. Check out Mixed Bag, Needle of the Groove, all our offerings here on Miami Heapy. Make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page and to all of that good right stuff. Now. Huh? Come to Hoopstresses right Come now. Come to Hoopstresses right now. Real quick, I know you got to go, Bon. What is your pick in the series? I have, or in our series? In our series. I, I know I put you on the spot. I want to say five, honestly. I'm really not too, too worried. <laughs> I, I have six. I'm a, I'm a lock in. six? six. All right, Brian, what you got? Oh, as much as I want to sell more Heaton 5 shirts, I'm probably going to go Heaton <laughs> uh, I don't know, 6 or 7, probably 7. I think they close out at home. Okay, that's interesting. So that, those are the picks. Make sure to check out all our offerings. What's yours? I don't pick. I'm, I'm superstitious, so I don't, I don't make picks. I know what you use pick is. I don't, don't make worry. I don't make public picks because I'm superstitious, so I don't do I just I, I just like I just I'm just I just say stuff in private. I've never done even when I think they're going to win. I, I think the only thing I just say every time that G picks it's basically the opposite. He's like the Charles Barkley of Miami Heat. Team. Charles Barkley right. picked the Celtics. I will right. say that. So we're going to the finals. Chuck picked the <laughs> Celtics. Congrats on us. Thank you for everybody. Check out Hoops for Shabon. Where can people go listen to you right now if they want to hear some oh, Twitter four. spaces? <laughs> Sage and Four. I'll put it up Follow on the screen. At, at Hoops for Sis, H-O-P-P. Yeah, H-O-O-P-S-T-R-E-S-S-E-S. -S -E -S. Sounds like a lot. Hoops for Sis, like mistress. But like that? Hoops. Yep. There we go. I spelled something right. So go right here, right now. Go follow them on Twitter. I'll make it as big as possible. Oh, never mind. <laughs> that didn't work out. Okay. Well, follow, follow Hoopstresses. Uh, they're great. Siobhan's great. We love everything that's going on over there. Make sure to check out all the good stuff. We will see you tomorrow for Miami Heat and Boston Thanks, Celtics. Bye. Game one. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.